Here at Doxaday Bloom, we are excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope that you enjoy today's message. Always great to be at our central campus. And uh, yeah, if you have not yet registered for Global Leadership Summit, please do so this morning. Um, I think in my journey of leadership, I can literally draw back some pivotal moments just in terms of development and growth, back to exposure moments in Global Leadership Summit. So uh, it's really something worthwhile. And uh, of course, if you still want to invite someone else, there's still opportunity for that as well out in your workplace amongst your friends or family. It will really be something that adds value to people's lives. Now, we it's my privilege this morning to share uh, the word with you, and uh, we're busy with a very exciting series called Five Ways to Rule in Life. And uh, I think just uh, saying that, it almost creates the question, I think, with many people is, uh, was is there a way that I can rule in life? You know, is there actually, I thought life was just kind of navigating the chaos. Isn't that what it's all about? And uh, I think the reality in terms of this series is we want to just expose you to that truth again, that that's not the way of life. Uh, we are not in a survival game. That's not God's design for humanity. We were not placed on this planet just to barely survive, just to barely make it, just to, to, to get through the next day or the next week and maybe somewhere get to a holiday season and maybe somewhere live long enough to retire and go live in the garden route and sit on the stoop and look at the ocean. That was not God's plan for our lives. When, when we read Scripture, we, we make this discovery about the design of humanity. The fact that God, when He made us, intended us for something bigger. He intended us to carry something of a divine capacity to bring order where there's chaos, to bring life where there's death, to actually be able to change things and to be a contributor in terms of the way that we arrange life around us. So we always go back in Doxodeo to Genesis 1, uh, because there we see the picture. So Genesis 1 says the following, God says, then God said, let us make man in our image. Wow, what a word. According to our likeness. And then he says that they will barely survive eating all the fish. And uh, sometimes the boltong. <laughs> Is that what it says? No. So that they will rule. It's a big word. It's a big, big word. We just saw Queen Elizabeth die and King Charles ascending to the throne. We have something of a picture of nobility when we talk about ruling or reigning. And the reality is that when God made you, when God dreamt you, when you were in the heart of the Creator, He was looking at your life saying that this is the purpose that I make you for. That you will have a capacity as someone royal to actually be able to rule over this planet. Isn't that something that really stirs your heart, grabs your heart? Because this is an identity thing. You know, you, you do not see a king stepping up to the throne, ascending into his position of, of ruling with an uncertainty in his heart in terms of, 
you know, am I supposed to do this? I, I, I don't know. There needs to be a clarity in our hearts the moment we look at ourselves. The crazy thing in Genesis is that the way God intended for us to rule, and this is for some guys, I mean, this is not going to be good news, so bear with me for a moment. Well, so you know that part of ruling means that you have a capacity to work. Now, it's almost like I think this time of year, Donny, please don't go there. I'm now dreaming about holiday. Now you're talking about work. But many of us think that work is the curse of sin. And we kind of have this picture, you know, if that Adam, if he just did not take that fruit from, oh, that Eve, so I'm actually supposed to be upset with her. If they did not do that, I would never have needed to work. I mean, can you imagine a life without alarm clocks going off in the morning? A life of getting up, doing whatever you want, just, you know, just walking in the garden. Let me quickly surprise you. So before sin, before sin, listen to what God says to Adam. The Lord took the man and placed him in the garden of Eden to? Oh my word. This is before sin. This is before the mess. This, is, this was part of God's design. You see, the implication of ruling implies working. Working is not the result of sin. Working the capacity to actually give myself to something, to see the world around me as the garden where God placed me to be the representative of His divine purpose in that environment. That was something of God's design, not the curse of sin. What did the curse of sin bring? And that's Genesis 3. So the Lord sent him away from the garden to work the ground from which he was taken. That's after sin. You see, in that verse, we, we see another concept, and that's the concept of disconnectedness. Because man was made to live in this environment called the garden in Genesis where we were supposed to live out our godly calling of, of ruling over that environment through our capacity to work. And suddenly because of sin, there was disconnect. Man was taken out of the garden. It was not just the garden, but it was also the God of the garden. Because man's disconnect because of sin placed him outside the garden. Suddenly his work became labor and not God design anymore. But then Jesus comes and he brings salvation. And listen to what Paul writes, Romans 5, 70, one of the best verses in the Bible. If you anyone, ever want to understand the gospel, he says, for if by one man's offense, that Adam, that Eve, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace, that's what we receive, and the gift of righteousness will, what, will do what in life? They will 
reign. You see, there's a restoration that took place on the cross. The moment that we became the target of God's grace and received the gift of righteousness, we were set right with God. That distance, that disconnect between man and God were restored on the cross. The moment that happened, God looks at us again and says that I'm giving you the capacity to rule, to reign in life. Not just survive, not just barely make it, not just work through the rhythm, but to reign in life. So many times we, we kind of, we, we need to ask this question, what do we then need to reign in life? And one of the problems of, of reigning in life is that unless you understand that your work is not a curse, but it's actually part of godly design, you will also need to understand that rest is part of the picture. You say, and if I ask you the question and I say, what's the opposite of rest? Many people will say, work. And that's not true. Because, you see, we're not talking about resting, meaning doing nothing, and working, living in the curse of just doing a lot of stuff and being busy all the time. The reality is that when the Bible talks about rest, it's not talking about doing nothing. It's not talking about sitting on the stoop and looking at the sea. It's not talking about going on holiday for the younger guys. It's not talking about playing PlayStation or Xbox or whatever. I can, I can binge on Netflix. Now I'm resting. You see, rest is a state. It's a state of being, not just doing nothing. And I mean, sometimes it's good kind of having a moment of doing nothing and we'll talk about it right now but listen how how the bible talks about rest hebrews 4 it says so there's a special rest still waiting for god's people for all who have entered into god's rest have rested from their labors just as god did after creating the world let us do our best to enter into that rest he's talking about another kind of rest so if we think that rest implies not working not going to work or not be being busy in terms of our godly design we miss the reality of what rest is actually supposed to be but this is the truth if you understand that being restless is actually the opposite of resting you will discover something great it's not work. Work is not the opposite of, of rest. It's being restless. That restlessness. That's kind of the sickness of our time. What does it look like when, when, we, when we talk about restlessness? That's that hurry sickness. Of course, not people in this church. We're not talking about the world out there, you know, the guys on a Monday morning going to work. I mean, the church, we are fully rested. I can see it on your face. I mean... You, you're so well rested this morning. The world out there, they have a problem. Signs of hu this hurry sickness. What does that look like? That's that mindset of I have to make the most of every second. It is that mindset as I get to the traffic light and there's two lanes, I pick the one that's going to move there. Who, who, ta who takes the one if you look and you see like this old bocky? And right next to him, it's like this, this funky, sexy polo, you know, drop suspension. 
Who falls behind the old baki? For the ladies, who goes to the grocery store? And you walk past all the queues. And then you see there's this, this young guy just with kind of two things in his hand. And then there's, there's this old lady with a big trolley with all the kids. Which lane are you going to choose? It's that tension we carry in ourselves. Like, I have so much to do. I have to, I have to rush through life because the tempo of life is so brutal and I need to survive. You see, hurry sickness is not work. It's a mentality that we carry. It's a state of being that we carry in ourselves. And the moment we fall into this trap, suddenly it robs us of who we are. The problem of hurried sickness it's not the fact that you're busy. I do not assume that Adam taking responsibility for the garden was a guy that just kind of woke up in the morning and said, oh, you know, whatever. God will look after this garden. No, God doesn't look after the garden. I Promise me, I, I, I'll promise you, I've, I've asked God to take care of my garden. I have. And it was not a good idea. Because if I ask God to take care of the garden, what does He do? He sends rain. And then what happens? Everything starts growing. And with, with a big heart of respect, I've never seen God push the lawnmower. <laughs> who, do, who does that? Me. So that's the, that's the work part. But the moment our, our hearts are, are so are arrested by this hurry thing, we lose that capacity of bringing God into this world because that's what we were made to do. Think about Jesus for a moment. Listen to this. It's so beautiful. Mark 1 verse 35 to 37. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Verse 36. Later Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. Jesus went missing. Why? Because this is the reality. In Jesus' life, he realized that I cannot live in disconnect. The problem was not work. The problem was disconnect. From the beginning, Living in a way that I do not breathe in the essence of who I am. That I am not secure in the fact that God called me. God made me to represent Him in this world. And when we start running on empty, we fall into the trap of hurriedness. Jesus was very focused. Jesus was very driven. I mean, Jesus looked at life and realized when He got baptized, He only got three years to upset the world enough to actually crucify Him. He had to work real hard at that. And go read the Gospels. Jesus was constantly finding opportunities and working into opportunities to make it possible to actually die on the cross. He was not, he was not, not working. The, the thing about Jesus, he was not part of this restless picture. He wasn't hurried. He wasn't losing himself in the picture of going forward and taking responsibility. He, he broke those patterns by exiting the 
pattern of living and disconnecting from the drive of life and connecting to his father and again finding himself and finding his purpose and living out of fullness. Hurriedness leaves us empty. Work gives us significance. Why is this important? Why is this important for us? Is it just a question of health? Yes, of course. If you constantly live in hurriedness, your health will pay the price. But it's more than that. It's actually your journey with God, this kingdom journey that is impacted if we fall into this trap of hurriedness and living a disconnected life. It is that picture of when you go to school and the, 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 the teacher give you the book, there's, there's, a, there's a little margin in the book that you learn to write in. And that, that little margin, the teacher will tell you, don't write on this side of the margin, that little red line. Why? Because that's the place where the teacher writes. That's where they kind of write 8 out of 10 and then they say, well done. You see, the problem of living a hurried life is that we take away the margin. And then we start writing the little book from the side of the page to the side of the page. And, we, and if we think that that will make our lives significant, we are missing the reality of what life is supposed to be. Because we need to live out of the capacity of the margin. The margin is the place where I step into the connectedness with God. And I hear God's voice over my life. And I hear God saying, well done. And I hear God filling me. And I experience His presence in, in my life. And then out of that, I step again into the rhythm of life and I start ruling in life because that's what God made me to do. That's the purpose of who I am. But if we take away the margin, we end up living in emptiness. This is so important. I don't know if you love music. I love music. Drove here and my little my little car, I have like a new little play thing. We only had one car for a season. Now I have like this old little car I bought for myself. I have my own little car again. That's not shared by the children and the family. It's just mine. So it's very old. It's a 1998 car. <laughs> very classic. It, nothing buttons. All slingers and real keys and everything. It's real old school. And I was driving and I was playing. I, I love jazz. Who loves jazz? Driving, I just kind of tuned up the, the music and just, the, I mean, it just fills you. It's beautiful. I love doing that. But if you ever listen to music and there's one instrument that kind of misses the rhythm, you know, one instrument messes up the whole song. So it's terrible. If it plays too fast, if it plays too slow, it's the same thing. It messes up everything. And God created a rhythm in this world. Have you ever seen it? Every time the sun sets, what will happen next? It rises again. After every day, there's a night. After every winter, there's a summer. There's a rhythm in life. And if we want to live the best godly life that we can live, we need to pick up the rhythm of what life is actually supposed to be. Because if we go too fast, we're messing up the song. If we go too slow, we're messing up the song. And let me just say, a lot of you adult guys sitting here, you're messing up the song because you're going too fast. But some of you young guys sitting here, you're messing up the song because you're going too slow. 
Am I now too honest? I, I, love young, I love the young ones, but I look at you. And sometimes I'm worried. Because you're going too slow. Your expectation is life will be good just because of who you are. Not because of what you do. There's something that you need to take responsibility for. If you want to rule in life, make up your bed. Start there. That's what I always say to my children. You want to be excellent in life? You want to really, really have success in life? Make up your bed. No doubt I want to go out there and I want to do good things. I want to have amazing success and I want to become rich and drive a Ferrari. and Make up your bed. Start there. Take responsibility. Your room is your garden. Clean it up. Don't leave your clothes on the floor. Now I'm getting very personal. I see him losing a few people. Listen to what Jesus says, Matthew 11. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out even on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Jesus, I thought I'm just going to do nothing. Now Jesus says, come and walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Oh, and I love this. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. And you'll live Learn to live freely and lightly. Will the holiday fix you to rainy life? What will fix it? What will take away the hurriedness? A sense of connection. Stepping into that space with God. Let's make it practical. Imagine if you, from tomorrow morning, every day, will take 20 minutes just 20 minutes not talking about two hours 20 minutes just take your bible go into a space where there's no distractions put down your phone oh that terrible phone put away the tablet maybe take a real like paper bible that has no whatsapp messages coming through that's the beauty of a, of a paper bible <laughs> there's no whatsapp messages no sms's no take a lot notifications about sales. And you just take 20 minutes and you connect. That is entering rest. Let's close our eyes as we pray. Father, we thank you that we were made to represent you in this world. We were made with a capacity to, to work and contribute and play a role and live significant lives as we bring you, your presence into this world. But Lord, we need to fight the sickness of hurriedness. We need to fight the restlessness that so easily consumes our lives. 
And as we go into this season of holiday that lies ahead, we want to understand we need more than a holiday. We need to break the pattern of living disconnected. We need to break that pattern. We need to live connected to our Father. Will you help us? Will you guide us so that we can live life to the fullest? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.